Ari Rosenbaum here with another uh, fun-filled episode of the 401k podcast. This week's topic, we're going to talk about 401k plan sponsors and avoiding solutions that are just really looking for problems. Um, of course, first things first, uh, that 401k for further information on all our live events, the virtual national virtual event, January 26th, 27th, $2.23 to be a part of it. Go to that 4 kcom uh, to sign up. Got some other great... Uh, Events plans May the third, where we will be at Comerica Park in Detroit. Comerica and Detroit. I don't know why I miffed that one uh, or muffed that one. And of course, um, we finally booked Oakland. Uh, we will be at Ring Central Coliseum uh, April fourteenth, two thousand twenty-three. Um, game against the Mets. Uh, guest TBA uh, wanted to get Oakland out of the way for a couple of reasons. Number one. They will probably move to Las Vegas sooner than later. Uh, second, an event in the San Francisco area. Um, you know, talking out of school, as I always do. Um, Oracle Park and Levi Stadium were just too cost prohibitive. Uh, the rental for the room, just alone in Oracle Park, is about $15,000, which typically uh, I. The events run less than 15 grand with all said and done. So uh, couldn't make uh, San Francisco work, so we, we go with Oakland, and uh, luckily the Mets uh, are in town. Uh, it's a great time. I think Passover ends the previous night, which will be great. So um, it'll be a great uh, time for uh, all of us uh, to be a part of it and uh, really looking forward to it. Already got tickets. We'll be sitting behind the Mets dugout like nine or ten rows up. Uh, with this conference, one of the few opportunities where we, uh, the attendees of the conference, we have a shot at uh, uh, beating the attendance for uh, the ball game. But actually, with the Mets in town, uh, I'm sure that you'll see a lot of New Yorkers or uh, former New Yorkers cheering the Mets on. Uh, we're going to book Texas, uh, Arlington, Texas. Probably towards the end of May. Uh, unfortunately, that's one of those where they won't book it on the day of a game. So we may do something where if people want to go the night before, we'll get just a, a handful of tickets and whatnot. And uh, Milwaukee, I think, we'll do in September. And uh, that's uh, really where we're at now um, for the 2023 events. Uh, got a hit back with Larry on two venues that uh, we want to run. We'll see if we can, um, including one in New York. It's been a while today. Uh, as this episode drops, it's the uh, third third year anniversary of the MetLife event. Probably one of the better attendants. We always draw better in New York uh, for obvious obvious reasons. Since I'm from there, had a great event. Sean Landetta was our guest. Um, but uh, ever since COVID, we've cut back on the number of events, so I don't know when we'll run another NFL stadium. We were going to do Charlotte, and just the interest wasn't there and the time constraints because of the, the soccer team and whatnot couldn't make it work out. But in terms of NFL cities where we could always run, uh, as long as there'll be demand for it, and obviously Nashville and New Orleans stands out uh, as NFL-only cities, but we'll see what happens. I think if we ever run Tampa Bay again, we'll run it from um, the uh, stadium over there. What's 
Who land? It's not who land stadium. What, what, uh, Raymond James Stadium, that's right. Uh, uh, Hands was uh, the name of the Tampa Stadium, I think, at one point. Now it's that Tampa Stadium was torn down, and the, the new stadium is Raymond James. But uh, we'll see what, you know, going on with that event, uh, future events and all that stuff. We're always, you know, thinking it through and whatnot. Hopefully run four to five events uh, in 2023, may run six. We'll see what happens. Um, obviously, sponsorship, interest, and attendee interest are paramount. Uh, so let's get back to the topic at hand, 401k plan sponsors, finding solutions that look for problems. And that's a famous saying of mine of late, you know, there are always problems looking for solutions. And sometimes there are solutions that are just going to create their own problems. And this is what the topic is all about. Uh, number one, offering unlimited foods, on, offering unlimited funds on a fund lineup. Uh, that's always... Um, the top of the list. Uh, when I grew up as a kid, you know, it's different from, you know, when my, my kids are growing up. You know, my kids, uh, you know, they, they take, uh, you know, thanks to that 401k conference and, you know, the opportunities that we have as adults, you know, take three, four um, plane trips a year. And when I was a kid, you take a plane trip every few years. <laughs> I think when I was a kid, I was born in 72, so I think I went to Israel in 74, Florida in 77, Israel in 80. And then I don't think I took another airplane ride until 85, and that was Florida, and then 89. So you don't travel a lot as a kid, but, you know, you you, you know you took, like, you know, little family vacations to Canada or New England and whatnot, and... You know, as a kid growing up, um, going to a place like the Ponderosa Steakhouse was a, a big treat. You know, there were Sizzlers by us. I rarely, I think I went once as a, as a kid. Uh, but the Ponderosa Steakhouse, or if you are if you know Brooklyn or Long Island, Cookie Steak Pub, uh, places with like these large salad bars. And um, I'm not talking about like the Burger King salad bar, Wendy's salad bar or whatnot. I'm talking about like a Ponderosa or Sizzler buffet. I mean, you know, it's a salad bar, but it's like a real buffet. It had like so many different foods and whatnot. And um, years ago, we we went to Ponderosa on Christmas Day. I want to say we went, and um, there there are very few left. So there's one Kissimmee, Florida, right outside Disney World, and, it, and it's great. You have a limited choice. Uh, you know, they even you know now have pizza, this, this, and that. I mean, just like you could have an entire meal there instead of uh, adding the steak and the potato. Uh, but those are great, you know. And uh, I always loved that stuff as a kid because I was a picky eater, you know. Uh, ham hamburgers, hot dogs, pizza, and that was about it. And steak, that's all I ate as a kid. Reminds me of my son. That's all we ate, you know. So Ponderosa, you could get egg salad, you could get this, you could get that. But, uh, you know... Those are great. Unlimited choice. You know, when, when you're growing up in the United States, uh, ample choices, big salad bars, uh, you know, whatever you want, you can get. That doesn't work with a 401k fund item. Um, I think plan sponsors think that if we add 50 to 90 investment, investments in a fund lineup, more is better. But when we know anything about the retirement plan business, we know that less is more. Studies have shown that if we give a fund lineup with too many funds, 
it's actually going to lower the level of participation of plant participants because it's like information overload. Uh, information overload, too many funds. You have four or five large cap um, you know, stock funds in a fund lineup. All it does is create confusion to the point where it leads to participant paralysis where they just don't defer whatsoever. You just get scared away and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, again, studies have shown that too many funds in a fun, fun lineup, uh, you know, negatively uh, affect active participation. And, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a real shame. I think that, you know, a, a, I think 12 investments on a fund lineup is ideal. Um, with target dates and all that crap, um, you know, to me, you're looking at a maximum of 24. And when I say target date crap, uh, you know, I'm somebody who's sophisticated with investments, so I know how to do the investments that I want. TDFs, I will always feel are problematic in the sense that if I, what am I going to retire? I'll be 65 in 2037. So let's say a 2040 fund, a Fidelity 2040 fund has a different glide path uh, and investment style and then let's say a Vanguard or a T. Rowe Price or, or whatever it may be. And that's, you know, that's my bias against TDF funds. Speaking about funds and fund lineups, too many proprietary funds on a fund lineup. And again, bundled, uh, you know, uh, bundled and unbundled options for a mutual fund company as a TPA. Uh, you know, it does look sense on, you know, it does, you know, it does, you know, look sensible on paper. Uh, you know, mutual fund companies, um, are in the business of 401k administration because they see this as an effective method of distribution for their uh, investments. Um, listen, I'm a fan of Vanguard, fan of Fidelity, fan, fan of all these fun companies. But um, again, I think the plant sponsors need to realize that you go to Fidelity because you like Fidelity funds. Um, and, you know, Fidelity is a pretty good TPA. Same with Vanguard and T. Rowe Price and all these other companies, American funds and, 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 and whatnot. And, you know, again, it's a method for their distribution. Uh, the problem is that, you know, I've seen fund companies uh, years ago, I want to say it was a T. Rowe Price client. Every fund they had on their investment lineup was a, a T. Rowe Price fund. T. Rowe Price is a fantastic fund company. Invesco is a great fund company. They're all really good fund companies. But there isn't one-size-fits-all approach for all the fund options on your plan. Uh, I love Fidelity. I have accounts with Fidelity. Um, you know, as a kid growing up, low-price stock uh, funds, the, the Contra fund, these were all great actively managed funds. But if I'm a foreign key plan fiduciary, absolutely bad idea to uh, f pick all the investments from one fund company uh, to the plan lineup. It just doesn't make any sense. It's a terrible idea. Fiduciary decisions to me have to look that they are above board and having all the funds from a particular plan provider doesn't really look good. And I always come from the school, which is different from um, the folks in Oceanside. Uh, I always say if it looks bad on paper, uh, if it looks bad, it is bad and it should be avoided. So the last thing you want is to, to get uh, a, a attention from the DOL or, or an ERISA attorney looking to make a quick buck uh, and have a fund lineup that is full of investments from only one fund company. Next, um, I've talked about this so much, offering unlimited plan loans. Um, 
I think that the plan sponsor should offer loans. It's just my opinion. It's participants' money. Uh, I think it's ideal that uh, uh, 401k assets don't leak thanks to hardships and, and, and plan loans. But, you know, life happens. Uh, again, I'm sitting here from the confines of a downstairs in my house that uh, isn't necessarily a basement, but is below half of it, below grade, or below level. And there were five feet of there was five feet of water here. Um, I remember the next day after Hurricane Sandy, I had to do an Esther Williams and put on my swimming shorts and get stuff out of out of the flood. Um, and again, uh, I didn't need to take out four hundred one k loans and all that stuff. But there are other people in life that do. You know, people who were in Fort Myers, people who had health expenses or. Um, uh, school expenses for a dependent or whatever it may be. Life happens and participants should have a right to access that money. But plan sponsors uh, need to be wise about these things and I think that plan loans should be to, uh, limited to one loan outstanding at a time. It makes uh, plan loans easier to administer and pay off because I always say that uh, offering unlimited loans is like juggling. Uh, throw enough balls out there or throw enough loans out there and something's going to get dropped. And when something gets dropped, the plant participants got deemed distribution um, for a default. And that's pretty hard topic to discuss when it's the administrator and the plant sponsor who likely screwed up and not uh, put a repayment uh, to, you know, one or multiple loans, which would, uh, you know, create a, a, a default on a deemed distribution. Next on the hit list, talking about it a million times, offering crypto investments in a 401k plan. Absolutely bad idea. Know a couple plan providers that are doing it now. Um, as it stands right now, uh, today, crypto uh, is now below $20,000. Again, it was great when Bitcoin was 69000 now below twenty. Um I believe, again, a 401k plan is one of the most highly regulated investment vehicles out there. Um, the last thing a plan sponsor needs to do is take an unregulated asset that is very volatile and prone to cyber theft. Um, a buddy of mine is uh, Jerry Briscoe, and, and, and again, I think I've mentioned it, his partner on a podcast, JBL, if I recall, his Coinbase account was hacked. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if plan sponsors had a crypto wallet and they get hacked as well. It's uh, far easier to steal from a crypto uh, account than it is through a Fidelity brokerage account or a Vanguard brokerage account and whatnot. So, uh, you know, I invest personally in crypto, bought another thousand bucks today, and we'll see if I have more money to buy more. But I just think it's an absolutely bad idea. Uh, for plant sponsors to even consider it, especially with the Department of Labor issuing a bulletin saying uh, they have very uh, very important concerns about it and basically saying they may order plans that uh, offer that investment window. So even if it's a 5% window for plant participants, that's 5% too many. Plant sponsors, plant participants, I mean, don't have the sophistication of most investors. They panic. They lock in their losses. It's just a terrible, terrible idea, and it's not something I would recommend. Just as my two cents. Next on the hit list, offering ESG funds. Um, I'm again all for the environment. Um, 
I, you know, I, I, I've said it before, I, I drive a Prius, I recycle. Uh, one of my favorite food places nearby is this vegan food um, place uh, where his plant daddies, where his food is uh, just excellent. But that being said, I'm not a fan of allowing Ishii fund options with a plan. Uh, again, it's like target date funds. You don't know what a typical ESG investment is between a Fidelity fund and a Vanguard fund or T. Rowe Price fund. Everybody has a different view of what constitutes ESG investments. While the Biden White House has allowed ESG investments, uh, I'm against it. Uh, I think that they, you know, I, I believe a plan fiduciary, I think the most important duty is to pick investments that can offer the highest uh, you know, return. ESG funds have shown that they cannot do that. And again, this guidance by the Biden White House uh, that may get withdrawn by the time there's uh, somebody else in office. Uh, there might be a Repu Republican taking the oath of office on January 20th, 2025. So I just don't think that uh, it's, a, it's a good idea. Um, last but not least, I've, I've talked about this topic uh, 50 million times over the years, hiring a paper provider as a TPA. Uh, again, most plan sponsors don't know anything about 401k plans, so it looks good on paper to hire ADP and paychecks to handle your 401k plan. I mean, it looks great on paper. They're a payroll company, and the bulk of assets come from salary deferrals. So, wow, it's payroll integration, all that kind of jazz. The problem with that is if you have a plan that requires compliance testing because you're not safe harbor, um, they're not very good uh, when it comes to day-to-day -day plan administration. They, um, they put too much work or uh, plan sponsors have to carry too much water, as they say, uh, in, in dealing with the day-to-day -day plan administration. And in my opinion, um, you know, payroll providers, again, expect their plan sponsors to have more knowledge than they really do. It's just a recipe for disaster. I've seen too many plan sponsors over there, um, you know, not get work done uh, because, you know, they didn't provide the information or, you know, again, the payroll providers didn't have a, a communication with them uh, about, you know, issues that are very, very important, like safe harbor plan design, uh, you know, filling the census request form correctly uh, and all that. And again, you know, they tap the 360, 360 payroll integration. Uh, if it was such a big deal, why do these payroll providers offer that? So they're, you know, biggest, you know, the biggest TPAs out there. Why do they have a relationship with Empower where they offer 360 integration if it's such a big deal? And of course, a lot of the competing payroll providers, uh, Paylocity and, and whatnot, they do offer payroll integration um, with most of the larger plant providers. So I don't think payroll integration is uh, is all that in a bag of chips. Um, I don't think it's as important as they make it out to be, but that's just my two cents. And again, uh, my frankness as it comes to payroll provider TPAs has cost me a lot of business. I make it up with dealing with the errors of plan sponsors uh, that went to these TPAs and had a whole host of problems and issues. Well, anyway, we hope uh, you enjoyed uh, this episode of that 401k podcast and again tune in next week for another episode and of course as always go to that 401k site.com for further information on all our events virtual event oakland detroit coming soon arlington texas hopefully milwaukee hopefully uh and 
a couple others that hopefully Larry will get me information on and see if the uh, rent uh, makes sense to actually hold the event. So again, um, hope you tune in next week for another episode of that 1K podcast. Thanks. Bye.